Hello, shippers, and welcome to the show. Today, we have a very special episode for you all in that it is near New Year's and we are talking about the New Year's themed The Rewind with author Allison Winscotch. Do we ship it? Listen to find out. Hi, all. I'm Steph. And I'm Devin. And welcome to the We Ship It podcast, where Devin and I and our occasional guests talk about our favorite and not-so-favorite ships of all time. That's right. And today we have a very special guest on with us to talk about her stories, her career, and the rewind. Uh, today we have Allison Winscotch on with us today. Allison is a New York Times bestselling author, um, best known for her novels, The Theory of Opposites, Time of My Life. Um, and the Department of Lost and Found. She is a graduate of University of Pennsylvania with a BA in Honors History and Concentration in Marketing from the Wharton School of Business. When she's not planted in front of the computer, she's hiking, running, doing yoga, reading, listening to music, negotiating with her teenagers, yeah. and hanging out with her family and pooches, Hugo and Mr. Peanut. Welcome to the that. show. <laughs> Thank you guys for having me. I am such a shipper, uh, so I'm excited to be here. So, uh, Oh, we love it. Yeah, I can't wait to hear what your favorite ships of all time are. So uh, I love this. Thank you for having me. Awesome, of course. Welcome, welcome. Um, So before we chat about Frankie and Ezra and the Rewind, I wanted to start with our traditional icebreaker question. Uh, What are we thankful for this week? So uh, actually, my daughter, I have a 16-year-old, literally just passed her driver's test this morning. I am very thankful about that because I was dreading um, the fallout if she had not. (laughs) Uh, The repercussions. (laughs) uh, And my family is in the middle of a move and I'm thankful that we are in a position to be able to do that. So, um, you know, sometimes the headaches of life, such as training for the driving test or packing up your house, uh, Mm -hmm. make you feel less thankful, but also simultaneously, I'm very grateful that all these positive things are happening. And I'm thankful to be here. Thank you. Now you're, you said you live in LA. Mm -hmm. Yeah. How is the weather treating you? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Uh, In fact, we just put off our driver's test an extra day or two because it has been so torrential. Um, I mean, look, Southern California was not hit that badly and we are very fortunate with our weather. So when it rains, right. uh, I think we all, like my, I have two kids, but my daughter was like, I can't believe they're making us go to school. Um, <laughs> you know, child, you're fine. But we, where we have been, it was just very bad storms, but okay. you know, a little flooding in the streets, but no injuries or anything. Well, that's like great. That. Yeah. So it's been, it's wonderful. Been and honestly, uh, I live in an area that has fires. So the rain is, is welcome. It's a good reprieve. Absolutely. Yeah. So yeah. gives moisture to, yeah, the, exactly. to the dead earth. Exactly. Yeah, it's needed so, right now. I mean, my dogs were very unhappy and I'm like, Aww. you guys have no idea. <laughs> <laughs> Just like my children, what, what most right. people go through. So, yeah. That is Steph? so funny. Ah, uh, what am I thinking? I should have given more thought. Oh, 
You know what? This is really lame to say on a podcast about books mostly, but I'm really thankful for books <laughs> um, because I, especially at the beginning of the year when Christmas is over and it's cold and you're just like, I just want to like sit on a couch and like read a book and have a cup of tea. I'm just really thankful that there are Goodreads out there that just like are page turners because mm -hmm. it's gotten me through sure. the cold days of January. Um, so, so that's where I'm at. I've read two so far and I'm on Les Mis right now, Devin. Whoa. So pray for me. <laughs> wow. That is that is a chunky one. Yeah. yeah. I'm audio booking it at two okay. times speed. So we'll see if I get through it. <laughs> That's amazing. <laughs> what about you, Dev? Um, this is an odd one as well, but I'm thankful for social media because it <laughs> wow. brought us all together here today. Oh, true. <laughs> um, this all came about with uh, posting a a picture of the rewind and then Allison commenting on it. And then it kind of spiraled into that and inviting her on. And here we are today. So I'm really excited Yay. that so, like something so small can bring people together. Yeah, absolutely. It's great. So great. Well, with that let's dive in. Um, usually when we have an author uh, join us as a guest, we skip over our summary of the stories to give them a chance to tell us about their story in their own words. So Let's get right to it. Sure thing. Um, so could you give our listeners a little elevator pitch of what the Rewind is about? Sure. So we pitched it as, or I'm still pitching it as, uh, The Hangover Meets When Harry Met Sally. Love and it. <laughs> <laughs> um, it's about two exes who had quite an acrimonious breakup and haven't spoken in a decade, but who are on their old college campus for a wedding of an old friend mm -hmm. uh, and have to come face to face. And they wake up the next morning in bed together, possibly having gotten married, but do not remember what happened night, the night before. So that's the elevator pitch. It takes place in 1999. So there's a lot of 90s um, references and music and 80s. So, um, you know, it was, it's just what I hope is a very fun rom-com for people <laughs> um, to sort of, it's, it, you know, it's what you were saying, Steph, just to give people a chance to, I don't know, feel good and um, mm -hmm. oh, for sure. swept away for a few yeah. nights or days of reading. And it was really cool. Like, I love the concept of not only it being New Year's theme, like they, they're meeting on New Year's again, all these years later, where yeah. like new beginnings are starting over and stuff. But it's also on a their college century. campus, which is yeah. like such a place of change for people like when they're growing up. So I really appreciated that. I think it's a really cool like place to set it. And 99. I love that it's 99. <laughs> That's great. Thank you. You know, it's funny. So I mentioned in the acknowledgments, like Laura Dave, who's another writer, is a very good friend of mine and she really was helping me brainstorm and I want to give her credit I feel like it was her idea to be like you should set it on a college campus because I was trying to really make it nostalgic and I think that what you said mm. is right college is such a you know shifting revolutionary and evolutionary time for a lot of us that yeah. um to go back a decade later like I go back to my reunions every you know five ten years um it's really a, a sort of profound way to mark the passage of time and how much people have grown or not grown. Um, Absolutely. Yeah. So that and was... we see that these two have kind of in a way been stagnant. Correct. Um, in this, in this 10 year gap. So it's, it's a great Forced time to, to reckon with that's, what they've that's been avoiding. Very astute. That's exactly yeah. right. And some people are, you know, and um, I just had a reunion and some people are more stagnant than others. And that's mm -hmm. fine. I don't judge, you know, whatever works for people, but um, 
then they go through a lot of change in yep. uh, you know Very short time. days that they're together. So yeah. Yep. Cool. So recently we just rung in the new year mm-hmm. and the new year is a, is topical with your novel. So let's talk about resolutions. Sure. Um, did you set any resolutions this year or do you have any bucket list items you'd like to accomplish in the coming year? I am not a big resolution maker. I don't know about you guys. Um, I feel like at least for me personally, they tend to sort of set yourself up. You set yourself up for failure. So, um, <laughs> I was like trying to work through the grammar there. Sorry. Um, uh, but I think I am a person who is often doing sort of check-ins with herself throughout the year, which I think is a little bit... Um, resolutions and uh, excuse me reflections instead of resolutions <laughs> yes exactly and i then i read and i i think maybe this is common but i it was the first time that i had actually seen it um i have a friend who's a therapist and she posted something on instagram saying like um choose a word not a resolution which i really liked like yeah um something that you can remind yourself every day i guess more like a mantra you know like i don't know maybe it's optimism right. or something that you can just try to tap into so i uh I really like that. So, and then I also posted on Instagram one resolution that I suggest for people, which since this is a book, a podcast about books, if you don't like a book, stop reading it. Like this is not homework. Uh, There is no obligation to finish a book. Reading should be for enjoyment. And I feel like if you uh, force yourself to finish a book that you don't like, you're less likely to pick up one uh, the next time. So yeah. that would be a one that I think is an easy resolution to follow. So yeah, for sure. Um, did crazy. you guys make resolutions? I made way too many. Like, <laughs> here's the thing, <laughs> right? Me. I literally made this whole list and my husband was like, all right, you need to like cut this list back. <laughs> I was like, okay. Uh, one of my goals has to do with reading. I read 28 books last year. So I want to read 30 this year and just mm-hmm. keep upping it and like, improving my literacy and stuff. Um, And not only that, um, I am trying to get in shape, but I think like you in that way, like each month I usually check in. I think that's more sustainable for things like working out and eating healthy. It's kind of been me and my husband did our first 5k in September. So it's kind of been like since then slowly getting into like the shape of running and stuff. So I just want to continue that. And those are the two Mm -hmm. like main things I think I want to continue. <laughs> yeah. So. I mean, I think those are like reasonable targets as long as you don't go crazy. Like, yeah. Like I was to, going, you to. know, I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Just, yeah. It's better not to, it's not realistic to just get 30, 30 different things, but yeah. Devin, did you have a list? I forgot. Um, well, yeah, I, th- I think I said, I'd like to aim for 28, 30 books as well. Cause oh, right. I think I got to like 25 this year, which honestly was a lot more than, and I know that's like a low number for some people, but <laughs> like, no, I mean, that's two books a month. You yeah. Know so that's, that's like, I feel like that was my, uh, first time in a while that I've read a lot because I've just mm-hmm. been so busy with reading for school or reading right. for, uh, prepping for classes and whatever. So, um, it was kind of more of enjoyment for myself, which was mm-hmm. meaningful. So yeah, I that's, a, that. that's a laudable goal. And P.S., like a lot of people read zero books a year. So yeah. 25 oh, sure. is <laughs> a lot. So yeah. Very true. Um, Sorry. Yeah. No, <laughs> I was going to keep Seth. going. I was like, wait, he might have more. Um, okay. So keeping with the New Year theme and the book theme, uh, we just set reading goals and we love getting our hands on new books. So do you have any recommendations or what are you currently reading? 
Sure. So I'm reading um, a book right now that's not out until May, Stephen Rowley's The Celebrants, um, and I'm really enjoying it. It's a reunion book, um, which I love. Uh, And then the last book I read, I feel like got no, very few eyeballs. And um, it was called How to Fall Out of Love Madly. And Mm. I genuinely loved it. Interesting. Um, And I mentioned it on Instagram and then the author and her editor uh, we, we messaged about it. Um, it was, you know, in publishing, um, a book's visibility is not necessarily correlated to its quality. And mm-hmm. sometimes some really brilliant books just don't get their due. Yeah. So, um, I love this one. It's about three women who are in various states of relationship unhappiness and happiness, but you know, and how they have to get to sort of fulfillment. So, sure, um, sure. It's by, uh, I think it's Jana or yeah, J-A-N-A, I guess that's how you put it, Casal. And cool. um, I, you know, if I can encourage a few more people to read it, I, I would. I thought it was great. Absolutely. That's awesome. Yeah. Thank you. Cool. We'll look into it. Yeah. Um, so with that still on the New Year's train, because clearly, <laughs> why not? <laughs> <laughs> Your book focuses on the hype of Y2K. Can mm-hmm. you tell us why this was a draw for you and how you spent your New Year's, whether this year or in uh, 1999? So this year, uh, as I said, I have two teenagers. I probably spent it like checking to make sure they were where they said they were. <laughs> <laughs> That's great. Uh, and making sure my son who drives already has his license was you know safely at the at the places um it's like a midlife uh new year's but uh in 1999 i had just gone through a breakup and i went my brother i think had as well so he had an extra plane ticket to mexico so he invited me so that's where i was Uh, i was in cabo what a way to bring Um, in the century yeah Yeah. well we were both i guess you know single and and alone, but (laughs) he invited me. So that's great. um, And then you had asked me, oh, why New Year's? Um, Well, to backtrack a little bit, it was 1999 because I felt like uh, I started from a place of they can't have smartphones because the whole plot doesn't work if you can pick up your phone and see where you are. So then sort of backtracking, I was like, well, 1999, I didn't believe in Y2K and like that the whole world was like the whole grid was going to collapse. Right. There was a lot of hype about that. (laughs) So it felt like such a seminal year where, I don't know, you're never, you're usually live once for the turn of a center. And so I think a lot of us who were young adults then or high schoolers or, you know, college students remember it being like pretty significant hoopla so it just felt like a great place to have this sort of sweeping situation happen to these characters or a great time for Um, sure yeah i thought it was really cool (laughs) so So that was the rationale behind it awesome um okay so were you always invested in romance growing up what is it about this genre that you think attracts readers so i it's funny i um don't get rattled by a lot. Like I'm a pretty steady person, but the one thing I remember like in high school and college that always sort of would upset me would be relationship stuff. Like anything else I'm totally level-headed, but like, I don't know. I sort of a mess, Uh, not a mess, (laughs) but you know, like I I was the same in high school. I I, (laughs) I had my heart broken pretty easily or got swept up in things pretty easily. So I think in that respect, I was 
I am always attracted to it. I love a rom-com movie. Mm -hmm. um, in fact, I just watched the trailer to Reese Witherspoon and Ashton Kutcher's new one that's coming out. Oh, so I've heard excited. of that one. Yeah, it's called like Your Place or Mine, maybe? Mm -hmm. I don't know. It literally just came out. The trailer just came out today. Um, and then in terms of reading, it's funny. Like I go through phases and I would say like the past year um, with everything that's been going on in the world, I have been reading a ton of rom-com and romance. It's just... I think the reasons that um, readers are attracted to it are the same reason that I am. It's just, it's enjoyable. Mm -hmm. And like, as I said in the beginning, reading should be there for enjoyment. Some people enjoy thrillers. Some people enjoy hist historical fiction, as do I. But I think there is something really special about a good rom-com book. It's yeah. just, um, there's an adventure to it, but it's also like, there's security in it. Um mm that even if it doesn't, it's not like it, it always has to be tied up in a bow, but it's just, it's look, it's a tough time out there in the world. <laughs> and uh, there's something really uh, comforting about romance or rom-com. So I Absolutely. think that's why I read it. I don't, you know, Definitely. you guys obviously talk a lot about relationships. So is that, I don't know if that's the same reason that you yeah. might yeah i think it brings joy um not mm -hmm. only that like in a lot of cases it brings joy but i yeah. also think the rom-com like there's a little bit of comedy to it as well yeah, sure. so i think you're right um there's just something about romance that really like spikes like uh excitement for people and sometimes anxiety but like in a funny kind of good way <laughs> um the whole will they won't they of it all i i really like that trope and i think yeah you're totally right like that's that's why people really are attracted to it because it's something that's different than your everyday like mundane going to work right. coming back you know what and i there's mean there's a lot of reminiscing with it too mm -hmm. yeah, for sure there were two books recently i that i read that i was literally like giggling in bed um one was funny you should ask by Alyssa sussman i don't know if you guys have read that one <laughs> i've heard of it i definitely oh have. my gosh it was so i was literally like <laughs> laughing because i read at night in bed and the other one was the spanish love experiment uh, experiment that uh, oh yes i'm familiar yeah, i've seen I'm it not, uh so delightful and you know <laughs> it's just there's something to it yeah you know at the end of the day for me which is my reading time um just it just ends the day on such a positive note so that's that's know, great yeah yeah uh, so now that we're on this topic, do you have a favorite rom-com couple, either in film, novel, TV, that is your go-to? Sure. Well, uh, <laughs> I, I, it's a rom-com. I don't know, but Felicity Porter and Ben Covington from Felicity. I've heard like, that one before. My, <laughs> my true love. Uh, and in fact, I wrote a, a book that wasn't as much a rom-com, but it was called Between Me and You. And one of the characters was based on Ben. He, his name was Ben Livingston. Um, but I love them. And then if you're really looking for what I think is an aspirational marriage, uh, it would be Coach and Tammy Taylor from Friday Night Lights, which again, okay. is not yes. like a long one, no, but, but I just think they have an amazing... Absolutely. You know. Um, that was awesome. So... It's not, those aren't necessarily rom-coms. Like the Hugh Grant oeuvre of movies would probably be like my favorite rom-com type, sure. but um, mm -hmm. those would be my couples. Yeah. Oh, my go-to ships are always Ron and Hermione <laughs> from Harry oh, Potter. Well, yeah. It's, okay. <laughs> my OTP. And then uh, I love Elizabeth and Darcy. 
It's oh, a classic. Yeah. Okay. Classics. You yeah. see? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Mine always changes and I never have. I'm, I'm like, I'm never prepared for the question because no, I'm always not. like, I, I, I don't know. I'm so <laughs> we sorry. look back and see if it has changed since the beginning. Honestly, it probably has. Like I keep on saying a random couple every time. So I, <laughs> I'm I'm not giving one. <laughs> oh, you're, you're like I do not want to. <laughs> All right. Um, well, moving on. Uh, so we know that music is a moving thread throughout the novel that pulls Frankie mm-hmm. and Ezra together and apart. Um, so, do you have a close relationship with music that helped add to Frankie's character? And what are what's your favorite genre to listen to? And your go-to karaoke song? Um, <laughs> That's great. So- so I definitely um, am very tied to music. Um, it's in a lot of my books. And in fact, the book that I'm working on right now does not have a lot of it. And it's, it's sort of a crutch for me mm-hmm. um, okay. because it's so easy for me to just reference a song and put it in and let readers know. It sort of gives an emotional place for mm-hmm. uh, the reader as well. Right. So I think if I, I, I often say if I weren't um, a writer, I would want to do something in the music world, um, songwriting, or I, I, I don't even know, but I just, um, it's very foundational for me. Uh, and it's something my daughter is also very musical and we share that. So there's a lot of music in our household, a lot of concerts, et cetera. Um, and so that was just very easy for me. As I said, this was, I wrote this during COVID um, and I just wanted, like, I wasn't it was a challenging enough book to write because it juggles three different timelines that I just right. wanted a character who I understood. And Frankie and I share that with the, mm-hmm. with music. Um, and my favorite genre is probably like alt rock, like channel 36 on Sirius mm-hmm. is sort of my go-to. I listen to a lot of like current stuff because of my daughter, right? Right. Um, you know, like we do Taylor Swift, like I, you know, yeah. And now I've had midnights on for the past however many months since it's yes. been. Sure. <laughs> um, I think I am most drawn to really, and and Taylor is this um, brilliant lyricist. Yes. Um, and she really can turn a phrase like very few other people. Yep. And I think that that is also the case with a lot of um, sort of alt rock or even country like they're just there are a lot of really storytelling I mean, that's exactly what it is it's storytelling so yeah, yeah i agree with you yeah. i love the lyrics as you can see behind me my husband prefers I the saw- music he he makes music and we always have this argument because he's like i just really love like a good like progressive tone and i'm like i don't care about that i want some good poetry that's yes. what i want in my that's songs. exactly right like and when she released that 10 minute all too well uh and there's a line that says you kept me like a secret but i kept you like an oath oh like, yes holy i'm won't i don't know if i can swear in here that is like yeah. from yes. God. because like you know what that means like he was embarrassed by her and she yes. was like so sacred for him it was so anyway oh yeah. that was that is a good line yeah so Great. glad we're dropping t swift on this episode <laughs> yeah. i've been i i would say that throughout my career i've been very influenced by the killers which is sort of a, a random love them. for me mm. but they are also storytellers um and my daughter and i have been going to them for many years to their concerts oh um, awesome yeah so we got to meet brandon flowers because <gasps> one of my books is named after one of his solo songs um called between oh, you know so um he's just a really brilliant lyricist as well so you know like you awesome. said, lyrics really That's very cool hit me yeah great so 
Um, with that, let's move a little bit further. We're slowly making our way into more the of the rewind. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> um, so Frankie and Ezra return to their old stomping grounds while on their college campus, including Lemonhead, their favorite bar. What's your favorite go-to bar snack? And what do you like to snack on while writing? So I don't even know if this is like a bar snack, but <laughs> you know, like pretzel, like pretzel bites. Yes. <laughs> Oh my god! I love, I love pretzel bites. <laughs> uh, like they're soft and the, like they're crunchy on the outside and soft in the inside out of the yep. oven. I mean, I don't know that they would serve them in every bar, but I do love a pretzel bite. Um, mm-hmm. And it does. I do not even have to have it in a bar. I would have a pretzel bite any time of day <laughs> or place. Um, my, I don't really snack while I'm writing, but this is very specific. <laughs> I think I once said this on Twitter and they sent me a huge box, but I have oh, the orbit gum, like really? the bubble mint gum. Yeah. Like, yeah. I don't know. I don't want to say like it's an oral thing, but like I, I, in fact, I'm chewing it right now. Uh, I, <laughs> I have like a constant delivery of that from Amazon. That's so funny. that's amazing. Well, the, do the do like one? other authors have a specific snack? So um, yes, on occasion, we, I think the reason we started asking this question was because there was like a snack, like, what was it? Chia seeds or something that mm-hmm. someone really loved. Um, oh, that sounds horrible. Yeah. <laughs> I, I forget what it was or chai. No, it was chai. It was chai okay. something. Right, okay. Devin? I don't remember exactly. I'm but forgetting for some exactly. reason we incorporated the names. I was like, oh, this is a great question. I, I do need a lot of sugar throughout the day for mm-hmm. better yeah. or worse. Like I'm, I, I'm a I am fiend. a big snacker, but um, not necessarily while like I'm, at, you know, on my computer. Yeah, on the right. work. Yeah. Makes sense. Yeah. Okay. So in your novel, Mimi, Ezra's girlfriend, works for a dating startup company called Datafy, uh, especially in the beginnings of online dating. How has the online dating world influenced, or how has online dating influenced the dating world? And do you think these matchmaking sites work? This is a hefty question. <laughs> wow. Well, so I have been married since sort of the early onset of dating, right. uh, online dating. Uh, so I have never done it. So mm-hmm. I might not be the best person to ask, but my sister-in-law, my husband's sister met her husband um, on a dating site. I don't know. It feels like it's how everybody does it now, how but again, it, yeah. I'm like, I'm an old, so I don't, I have not done online dating, um, but it felt like, I mean, I remember when it started sort of around, I don't know, late nineties. I remember looking up like when match mm-hmm. uh, history wise. Yeah, because you you know you at least want to sort of be in the general factual accuracy um, arena. But I remember when it started. Uh, I hadn't. I don't think I had met my husband yet. We were all very skeptical of it. It sounded like insane, and people were like embarrassed that they were on it. Uh, and now, I mean, it's just it seems like how everybody does it. Does mm-hmm. it. So yep. it's just uh, the, the common yeah. norm. Yeah. So that's mm-hmm. sort of what I was thinking with her, where people, th- people generally thought it was a little bit preposterous at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, yeah. I think it's shifted the dating world a lot because oh, the expectation sure. of meeting someone in person only comes after you've talked for a while, which for better or for worse, you know, I, I yeah. kind of see both sides to it. I've also seen people I know get married from relationships they've had on dating sites. And it's sort of what you're looking for and your personality type. Like, are you yeah. the type of person who can sort of form a relationship without having met the person in person? It just sort of depends on who you are. 
I think so. I think Agreed. Right. I can I imagine right. like, yeah, I can imagine early on, it was kind of an interesting thing though. Oh like my you God. said, <laughs> like, as I said, I was, I, I mean, I don't know how old I was when all this started, but people were sort of embarrassed to admit mm-hmm. that that's where they found spouses or partners or whatever it was. Right. And now, I mean, obviously it's just a hundred percent normalized. And, right. um, you know, I mean, it's probably for the best. It makes it, although I don't know, I haven't been out there in a while. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> I haven't used them myself either. <laughs> Devin's like me. Just saying. <laughs> yeah, no, but um, I'm just not the type of person to try and form, like what Steph said, it kind of takes a person who's mm-hmm. willing to just chat with someone random <laughs> on right. the phone and i i'm not that type of person i need to yeah need so it's like i need to know you yeah i basically would rather die than have a phone conversation anyway right fair enough yeah do you have a favorite line from the rewind and why is it your favorite like when you were crafting it so uh there is one line towards the end of the book um, I, I don't want to, I'm trying to think of how to spoil it, but Not Frankie spoiled, hears a song that reminds her of something. And then it just says, and then Frankie remembered everything. And mm-hmm. for me, I was figuring out um, a lot of the plot as I was writing for the initial drafts. And so when Frankie has this realization I felt like I was having it along with her. Um, and then there, you know, there's some other lines throughout just sort of about how they felt about each other. Um, there's a scene where Frankie pieces some things together in an ice rink that I really like. And there's also a scene of them in their past, both um, in a Jeep where they're yeah. sort of happy together. And also um, over a summer where Frankie's out on her balcony and they're on like this long distance phone call mm-hmm. and she's smoking, which is like what people used to do. Uh, I, I don't know. There, there were times that really brought me back to that time. Not that I was like sitting on a balcony smoking, but uh, <laughs> that were very sort of a more epitomized. Like uh, paid homage to the homage. Yeah, homage. exactly. Yeah. That's exactly right. Exactly. Awesome. Okay. So we heard that the rewind is currently in development at Netflix. Any insight here? How does it feel to see your writing turn into an on-screen production? So I'm really excited about that. Um, It's, I think the script is almost done. I'm technically a producer, but I'm try to not sort of be a pain in the ass. Like I give them my blessing (laughs) and, um, I just heard from them last week that it, it's almost done and they're going to send it to me. So that's exciting. Wow. Um, yeah. I, I don't, you know, I have had a few other things option in the past um, and I was lucky enough. I just um, wrote an adaptation of the book named after the Brandon flower song for Carrie Washington that mm-hmm. turning into a podcast for audible. Sure. Um, so that was sort of, but, but I always have felt like, having had this experience in the past that the book is the book and whatever happens on the film or TV side is just like gravy. And if I'm not thrilled with it, that doesn't matter. I wrote the book. It's fine. So I'm not purely proprietary. Um, But that said, I really like the the team behind it and they seem excited about it. So yeah, we'll see. I don't. Congratulations. there's, There's no ETA as of right now. No, you know, 
I, one of the reasons I, I was in a very fortunate position to have a few different offers on this. And one of the reasons we went with Netflix is they are very, a lot of things get bought and very little mm-hmm. gets made in mm-hmm. Hollywood. Um, but Netflix is very fast yeah. and yeah. eat a lot of content. So mm-hmm. um, I feel like if they're happy with the script, hopefully it can get going soon. I just, yeah, yeah. yeah. That is I, so I, exciting. I'm optimistic actually. And I'm generally about um, adaptations. I'm not optimistic, but I, I feel pretty good about this. So we'll see. Great. Well, cool. congratulations. Well, we're eager. That's so Thank cool. you. Yeah, yeah, it was, it was exciting. I'm, I'm excited about it. Yeah. Absolutely. Great. Um, so last question before we really dive into freaking Ezra, um, but both of these characters are fun to dissect, but what is one character element that you find of yourself in both of them? So, um, two things, Frankie is pretty hard headed. And I think I, or she's, I, I would say I really relate to Frankie's independence. Um, Mm -hmm. for me, it's sort of a double-edged sword where I don't, need a lot of caretaking, but simultaneously, I also probably could use more of it. Like I, mm-hmm. I can be a little, um, you put your walls up. Yeah. I mean, well, I'm, you know what? I'm actually, it's not that it's just like, I like to do things by myself. I like mm-hmm. to have my alone time. Uh, I don't, uh, you, you know, like I don't necessarily ask for help when I need it. Right. Um, which I, I'm really not trying to say that like, Oh, I'm like super, strong or whatever I, right, no. <laughs> i'm actually it's it is a little bit of a character deficit of mine mm-hmm. uh like with my husband i can occasionally be like snappish because i'm like i just i'm gonna do this blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. you know so <laughs> it's not always the best collaboration um and and frankie is like that too like she thinks she is yeah. the best at what she does and um there you know there's a downside to that so for sure uh and then with ezra i think ezra um also, oh, he's he is very. This is sort of the opposite of what I just said about Frankie, but I have this in me too, and it's what I was saying at the beginning about relationships. I am probably too lenient with a lot of people. Like I don't want to have a confrontation, and I always give people the benefit of the doubt. And <laughs> some people should not be given the benefit of the doubt. Yeah. And that's also my husband weighs on that too, where he's like, "No, that person is like, you know." an a-hole yeah like i don't think they're being a jerk but they are so you gotta see the good in everyone yeah that's exactly (laughs) right and i think that that is why in my 20s i dated some really not very kind people because i wanted to believe in them when i shouldn't have fair enough totally um, i'm I'm like that myself i always try and see the the good in someone yeah that usually sometimes bites me in the butt. Yeah, <laughs> so. yeah, that's exactly right. Like even, even professionally, uh, but certainly personally, and even in some friendships, like I, I think, and I don't know if you're like this, Devin, sometimes I am too accommodating because I just want to, and again, that's, that could be something where I'm like trying to be a humble brag. I'm not, it's actually, no. it, it sometimes causes me pain in the long right. run because I am unwilling to, sort of have that confrontation. Although I will so say people will walk over you. Yeah. I will say I've got, as I've gotten older, I really have gotten better about that. I mm-hmm. just, Good. um, you know, that's, that's something I do think that can come with age where you're just like, yep. I'm, 
I'm out. I'm, out. I'm, I'm yeah. realizing that as I'm getting older and yeah. uh, I'm a teacher. So okay. uh, I'm at the start of my career. I was just trying to find that balance between like, okay, how do I be a good teacher, but also not be a like hard ass on the kids. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, like, That's right. Um, so I, when I was young, like younger, I mean, a couple yeah. years ago, I would yeah. get walked over. So mm-hmm. the kids would just do what they want. And I'd be like, okay, <laughs> I, I, I guess I have to deal with this now okay. that I kind of opened this can Major of worms. Devin. So now, I, so now I've over the years I've been getting more of a backbone in a sense in that. In that yeah, case. I think that that's um, you know I think that that there it's important to one thing that I'm really clear with my kids or I'm trying to teach them is boundaries. Yeah, um, you really have to know where you know your line is, and sometimes I would say particularly. In my case with men, uh, I have gotten, my lines have been very blurry. Mm-hmm. And um, again, I've been married for a long time, but when I right. was younger, uh, sort of in, and and I lost myself a little bit in some right. relationships, like just trying to accommodate whatever they wanted out of me. Right. And, um, and I think Ezra clearly does that. So that's yeah, probably does. where I was, you know, writing that from. Fair enough. Wow. Well, it's that self-awareness that like lets you teach others once you've been through those experiences. Right. So it's good to yeah. be self-aware. Yeah, well, yeah. Thank, you, thank you for like being you open really... and sharing about that. Too. Oh, of course. I don't, you know, I mean, I think a lot of people are like that and um, we're all just flawed humans trying to, and Absolutely. you know, I, I have teenagers who have boyfriends and girlfriends and these are things that you hope to learn from and, yeah, arm them for going out into the world so that they're happy individuals. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. Um, Okay. So let's dive into the rewinds, Frankie and Ezra a little bit more traditional. We ship it talk here. Uh, So. All right. Now we are moving into our, the rewind talk where we're going to talk more about Ezra and Frankie as a couple and the story at hand. So just a note and a warning to everyone listening. This is the section of the interview that we cannot uh, avoid spoilers. So spoiler alert to everyone listening and on with the show. Frankie and Ezra's friends play a large role in their relationship. Is it good for your friends to have this type of influence? And were there moments when their friends should have stepped up more? So, you know, I read once years ago that your friends are the best predictor of if your relationship is going to make it because they are seeing things that you... That you maybe don't. Correct. And in fact, my best friend from college... Uh, getting back to this, making accommodations for people when you shouldn't. I had an off again, on again relationship in my twenties. And he came back at one point and she said to me, Allison, I cannot do this with you again. He is so destructive. And I was like, no, he wants to marry me. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, not the person I married. Right. Um, <laughs> and she was totally there for me when we broke up for the last time. Um, but she was right. And so I do think that, uh, I mean, to a certain extent, your friends can have a say. I didn't listen to her at the time about, you know, that one last mm-hmm. reconciliation. Um, you know, I don't know if their friends should have been more involved in terms of, uh, you know, if you're thinking of like Gregory had some information that he right. could have shared with Ezra. I think it's hard. I think, um, you know, as like my best friend 
we stopped speaking for a few months because I wasn't prepared to uh, hear what she had to say. Yeah. So I, I don't know. Where do you guys come down on that? So it's hard because ultimately I think like in a friend, like I've been in a position where I've been a friend that wants to tell another friend mm-hmm. that they shouldn't be in a relationship. Right. I've also been in the position where people have told me, hey, look, I'm noticing these things, like <laughs> right. yada, yada. And I really appreciated that when I was in the relationship, but then it was so difficult when I was outside of the relationship to tell my friend that was in it because you always feel like, well, I don't know, maybe there's stuff going yeah. on that I don't see, like blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. I've right. sort of come down to, um, if your friend, if you are close enough with this person that you see them in your future, um, then you should at least, you at least owe it to them to tell them what you're feeling and thinking in a truthful but kind and loving way. Yes. Um, and that's why I do think Gregory may have had some form of responsibility to bring that up. But I also understand completely being like, I don't want to step in something that's not mine. You know right. what I mean? Um, or and the, I don't want to ruin this really for him. that's not really a problem in itself. Like it, it right. could have just been a one-time, one-time thing. thing. That's, yeah. that's right. And and that's actually, Devin, that's such a good point that uh, the reason I chose this and we're speaking a little vaguely because I don't want to give it away, but <laughs> Mimi, Mimi is a little screwed up and I chose it because for some people, that's just like a character flaw, like any other character flaw. It wasn't um, like a fatalistic thing. And I think if Ezra had had a more honest picture of her, a more holistic picture of her, that might not have been the deal breaker for him. Right. Uh, mm-hmm. Like they even have a conversation, I think Gregory and Frankie, where he's like, you know, it's not the worst thing in the world. And truthfully, as a non-judgmental person, I don't think it's quote the worst the thing. The worst in the world. thing, yeah. Um, but for Ezra, it was just representative of the fact that he really didn't know her. It was right. his gullible nature. Yeah. Correct. So um you know, it it was, I have heard that like, oh, maybe Gregory should have told Ezra. I also think, although Devin, you're a dude, so maybe (laughs) men are not probably as prone as women to speaking up um, and telling their friends, like if there are sort of red flags. So I didn't personally have a problem with that. I think if it had been um, like one of Frankie's friends, maybe they would have had that conversation. Oh, yeah. You know, you have to show up for the wedding, blah, blah, blah. So, um, you know, I I know it is it is tricky, but, Mm -hmm. you know, I I guess a lot of my friends are married now and we see things in other people's relationships and I'm sure they see things in mine where you're like, (laughs) yeah, you know, I don't know. It's tricky. You have to. These are the hard types of things in relationships that you have to navigate. So there's really no like right or wrong unless like it's case by case. And it really just you have to learn how to navigate those things by going through them. So most of the time you make the wrong choice anyway in your life. So that's what I've found. It's just like, oh, now I'm learning from that. That's right. It's all it's all learning. Yeah, absolutely. For sure. Um. So is there any particular scene that you loved writing in the rewind and why? And we'll maybe provide some of our own. I, I mean, I, you know, I referenced this earlier. I really like the scene where Frankie starts to piece it together in the ice rink. Yes. Um, because sort of the <laughs> cataclysmic series of events that had to the happen. The action that's everything. happening in that moment. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so that was just really fun for me. I like writing sort of whimsical uh, 
scenes in general. Um, that was one of my favorite parts. <laughs> oh, thank you. There's probably <laughs> one or two of those scenes in like every book that I've ever written where like things just go off the rails. Yeah. Um, I also really liked the, uh, sorry, I'm like, what is the word for it? The uh, epilogue. I, mm. I almost said epigraph and I'm like, that's not it. No. <laughs> Something is going wrong in my brain right now. Um, it was not originally in there. My editor suggested that we needed sort of a tie-in. And, uh, yes. And and how it ends for me is really, for me personally, so representative of who they are and their mm-hmm. growth, uh, but without making them totally different characters. Um, so, I, you know, I really, I really like that. For your epilogue, did you see it being like months? Did you see it being weeks? Yeah, I years? saw it being originally it was like a few weeks. I think it's set like six months later because I think okay. it's August and the book is New Year's or eight months. Oh, that makes later. sense. Yeah. Yeah. And then I also I will say I really like there's a scene set in a swimming the swimming pool. It's a flashback, and I mm-hmm. really like that as well. Yeah. So. I okay, I am horrible because i really love the conflict moments oh, yeah <laughs> i love when they were caught together in bed the first time i thought that oh, was yeah. so funny i thought it was so well written and, and they see yeah. the girl later on and they yeah. see her later i'm like oh no, my god uh, she's back Zoe? or yeah yeah uh, and this girl will not let it be and i'm like i wouldn't either i'd be like yeah. excuse well, you me know what? <laughs> like when you were 20 and strident yeah. like you, you know uh i i could just see that um, on a college campus i mean i love i do i love the beginning and then where it just cuts yeah. to like 16 hours later uh yeah. and you, you like your stomach sort of drops out um yeah so thank you very much yeah that was yeah. a fun part to write mm-hmm. Devin? um yeah no i i really like the um the ice rink scene i i could see a couple of drunks having that happen <laughs> yeah right <laughs> i could like- see it play out uh, and i just thought like yeah, some of my friends would do that. Like I could see that happen. <laughs> yeah, particularly like the there were like three sort of chess beating dudes there and Frankie being like, What, what is, is going, going on? on? <laughs> she was trying to be sober. So um that one was just really fun. I mean, mm-hmm. obviously taking a little bit of license with reality, but you never know. Yeah. Right. You know, I mean in the nineteen 19- 1999 yeah, or, exactly. <laughs> there was really the, the security Zambonis, cameras weren't necessarily you know, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. that's funny um okay so moving on how do their pasts shape them and how do they help each other grow for their future what does it reveal to them about the life that they're living or they so, were living sorry so frankie is obviously a music prodigy and mm-hmm. that shapes everything about her because she was so controlled as a child mm-hmm. or, or had to be in such control uh and you know endless training um so when she gets to middleton her whole thing is like she can change every single thing about herself and nobody right. has to have any idea which is why Ezra doesn't really know who she was. So that um, it's not the best way to set up a relationship, uh, but that is, you know, what she felt was truthful to her. And then Ezra, I think, was so busy being an adult. Um, you know, his mom was sick. His dad was absentee. His older brother is gone. That he, uh, his anxiety over 
being meticulous, even though Frankie had to be meticulous in a different way, they really manifest in different ways. And Mm -hmm. his, hers is in like rebellion and his is in perfection. Um, And so they hold themselves to different standards and it's a combustible situation. For sure. Absolutely. For sure. Yeah. It's, it's pretty crazy because you can definitely see both of them struggle with the idea of control in their Mm -hmm. lives. I mean, um, Ezra has what happens with his mother and it all kind of spirals from there. And Frankie also, you can, you can just see she is so obsessed with the idea of independence and choice and things like that and she's just she can't even see past like what could be good for her um in ezra because he has more of a grasp on like their future together and she's more just like love you but i need to make my own life you know what i mean it's it's very interesting to see that all come to a head like in this crazy night on new Mm -hmm. year's eve yeah i mean i love what you said there i think that that's right what Frankie values more than anything in the world is her independence. And yes. coming from her childhood, um, I found that understandable. Totally. And even though I had nothing like her childhood, as I right. said earlier, I really value that. Like if yeah. my husband couldn't give me that independence in myself, not like Frankie's, but I just, I need autonomy. Yeah. I couldn't be married to him. Um, and Ezra really values stability because yes. of he wants his- that unit. Yeah. Yeah. So it just, but they never talked about it. So um, it's the communication issue in every single breakdown of relationships where like communication was an issue here. That's right. So, um, and then they weren't well matched because of that uh, in their, in college, you know, even though they loved each other. And again, I have loved several men who were not good matches for me. So, you know, the two things are not necessarily um, in alignment. Yeah. Yeah. I love that we as readers were finding out about their past relationship as they were also kind of discovering their past as well. Like why it didn't work out in the first place. Um, I thought that was interesting that we were along for the ride as they were also trying to like piece not just the night itself together, but also their whole relationship itself together. Yeah. Thank you. That was, that made it very difficult to write. I'm um, sure. Because, <laughs> like we, we debated, should it be set in two different timelines? And I felt like, like one of the editors I talked to did want me to do sort of two um, parallel timelines. I felt like it was important for the character to be going through that journey um, yeah. as we were as well, which isn't yeah. to say it couldn't have worked that way as well, but it 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 was challenging to write for that yeah, for that I'm reason, sure but thank you for that. yeah <laughs> lots of weaving in and out there yes exactly <laughs> a lot of weaving a lot a lot of weaving yeah um so in the end frankie enters new territory for herself and decides to go after ezra this is a mm. big change for her character why is yeah. this a pivotal moment for her well as Gregory, like explicitly, so when he decides to be no, butt in, he does yeah. butt in. Uh, he says, and I think this is important, not just for Frankie, but any relationship. She always let Ezra do most of the work. And uh, in any healthy relationship, there has to be a give and take. And mm-hmm. she finally realized that um, it, it gets back to her independence. And she just has always been the taker because she could then take something and walk away. Yeah. um, You know, in any marriage and any stable relationship, it has to be a push pull. So she 
finally understands that. And to be honest, she never had anybody model that for her. Right. Um, So that is something that as adults, a lot of us still have to learn. Uh, And so that is what Frankie realizes. I mean, Gregory explicitly states, says that. Yeah. Well, what is it that he says? It's something like, why don't you do the chasing for once or something like that? He's always the one chasing you. Yeah. And I think, or something like that. I haven't reread the book in a long time. Well, (laughs) just seeing like her finally realize that and like look back on her life, you realize in that moment, finally, the thing that she's needed to do this whole time, which is make the independent choice for herself, like to love him, right, (laughs) is what changes in that moment. Mm -hmm. So I I think it's a really important and crucial moment for her, not just in this relationship, but like in her world of relationships in her like life learning. Yeah. And you see that again in the epigraph where she makes a choice to do something that she knows would make Ezra happy, even though it makes her a little bit uncomfortable. Yes, yes. And that is not, um, Frankie's typical yeah. MO. Yeah. Um, so, you know, I also think if Ezra had gone to her, I don't think readers, I think readers would have felt cheated yeah. because we already knew that he was like the giver. Interested. Yeah. Right. So, um, yeah. So I, I, I just, I just knew it had to be on her terms. Yeah. And, and she really is the she's the stronger character in a sense is, of yeah. the two like not not sense that like they're like he's um no, no, I know not well developed but like yeah. that she she's the more uh, strong-willed yeah so yeah. to see her have to chase after him i think it's a good turn of events and becoming she, a little humble yeah um, yeah and you know i do as you guys if you read a lot of rom-com there are a lot of rom-coms where um the man is like stronger and growly right. and uh protective. Mr. And Darcy. Again, I love yeah. a lot of them. <laughs> Sorry. Mr. Darcy. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and and I, and I read them and I love a lot of them, but um I find really strong women extremely interesting. Mm-hmm. So oh, yeah. Um, you know, look, not everybody loves Frankie. That's totally fine. I just wanted to write this strong character who still was deeply flawed. Sure. Yeah. She learns a lot. That's for sure. Yeah. I think the strongest like characters, women or men, like they're t- typically the ones that learn the most yes. in the story, which is yeah. really fun to see. Yeah. Okay. So what is Ezra and Frankie's best and worst relationship trait? Well, I think we've talked about a lot yeah. of this. We have. <laughs> I think we have. <laughs> right? Yes. I mean, Frankie is too independent. Mm-hmm. Ezra is too dependent. Mm-hmm. Uh, yep. But those could also be, I'm like, because I'm a little independent, those could be their best traits. <laughs> I mean, it really could you know, be. Frankie has really built this life for herself that she, I mean, professionally, uh, she's very successful uh, and it is tying into her talent and Ezra, particularly in the end um chases what he what makes him happy mm-hmm. and that is real growth for him um yeah. and i i didn't know where he was going to end up but i really love i guess spoiler alert you know to you Devin, like he goes to be a teacher and there's real value right. in that as opposed right. to going for like you know going to work for google um, right and I, I felt like that was actually the choice he would make. Um, and I, so, 
you know, yeah. Ezra has such a good heart he that does. that has he got to be his best. And that's what I quality. loved about the character is that he just wants to make everyone feel good. Yeah. That's, <laughs> like, and you know what? Well, thank you. And Devin, maybe that's you as a teacher. <laughs> but you don't, I feel like you don't see a ton of men represented that way, mm-hmm. but there are men who do, who are caretakers and yes. um, in, in sort of quieter ways than some mm-hmm. of the prototypical rom-com men and that's sort of who i love as well sorry right and i think between the two of them what i love the most is their passion i think they share like a very obvious like can't stay away from each other (laughs) if we're around each other type (laughs) passion um and i think that's really crucial i really do because we were talking about you can love someone but still not them be the best for you i think that this piece could be the love someone bit. Um, So I think you were right about them maybe not being the best for each other in college and then maybe coming to that realization later. And I think the, the worst relationship traits that I saw like in their college relationship she has such a respect like she loves her independence and her own choices but i don't think she has the same respect for other people's choices and their impact on her life i think that's like a huge thing is like frankie's apathy towards the choices of the people that want to be invested in her um yeah yeah. and and ezra i think doesn't ask the right questions and is afraid to meddle in things that (laughs) or he doesn't want to ask the question yeah he doesn't want to answer yeah he's like i don't want don't get you know people this. like that who yes. just don't even want to raise it because yeah. I mean, I mean, uh, again, not to like, I remember sometimes dating people and I didn't yeah. even broach something because I knew like there was like a pit of dread, yeah. but I knew that the answer was not going to be gonna spiral out. Yeah. So, it was just so you avoid it. Yeah. Well, that's like a natural human thing. So I totally get it. But in his case, like Frankie is in Shrek terms, an onion. You really yeah. have to peel those layers, man. Yeah. And if you don't do that work, you're not going to have a healthy relationship. That's right. So I think eventually he learned that and she learned to respect she his, has to allow people to right to respect her. her he wanted yeah. to love her yeah that's so. so smart and i i will just say i think that in frankie's not defense but whatever i think her childhood it really led she to had that. to be so deferential to everybody's choices that decided her fate her path yeah yeah, yeah that she was just like screw it i'm doing 100%. whatever i want um but it's I, definitely you can see the trajectory from yeah. their past to where they are now yeah. it's like wow like and that's like br- brilliant writing really is oh, like being you. able to show that trajectory from childhood trauma because we all have childhood trauma yeah. of some kind and <laughs> then how it how it shows its head and how you have to grapple with it and then become the adult that like mm-hmm. correct so i love that's what i like in exploring in all of my books i just think it's really interesting yeah absolutely awesome so we love all of frankie's epiphanies as she's on the stage of steinway um but specifically the line and i'll read it um we all hide a whole manner of sins from one another and maybe the key to successfully loving someone wasn't to judge them for their sins but to but rather to ask how we could soothe the pains those afflictions cause one another why is this so important for any relationship not just romantic well i mean a little bit it's what we've talked about um everybody brings their own issues and problems and baggage into any relationship like none of us as humans are issue free Mm -hmm. uh and i think 
you know, having been married for a long time and Steph, it sounds like you're married. Mm -hmm. um, The key is to just say, I understand that you have pain. I'm not going to judge you for that. How can we, how can I support you to make that pain better or just sit with you in the pain? How can I just be present? Correct. So, you know, again, that's, uh, not everybody has that and not every relationship is meant to do that, mm-hmm. but hopefully you end up with someone, um, short term, long term, whatever, yeah. who, um, doesn't expect you to not carry those scars, right. uh, I, I, or understands them enough that, um, just lets you exactly what you just said, Devin lets you sit with them. So, mm-hmm. um, and I think that that is something that maybe, we, a lot of us come to in adulthood, like in their earlier relationships or their, you know, college, whatever, we have more of an expectation of how somebody can please us. Yeah. Uh, and as you become an adult, it's not just that it's how can you please the other person? Mm-hmm. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's, it's tricky sometimes mm-hmm. contingent right. on what the issues are or what the, whatever that line said, sins or whatever it is. Mm-hmm. So um, that makes a lot of sense. I think everyone comes at things, like you said, with their own trauma and their own mistakes. And really the only way to fix the situation. Yeah. The only oh. way to really heal like successfully I've found is being able to share it with someone else and like kind of just like lay your baggage down yeah. on them for a minute rather than like presenting the baggage and then getting like reamed out for it you know <laughs> like there there are moments that i think real love is telling someone when they're doing something that's unhealthy Absolutely. or wrong and being honest but at the same time there are moments and there are things that are just so deep and like so crazy that you need like the camaraderie of someone in your life, whether it be a romantic relationship or just a friendship, you need someone to just sort of take the baggage for you for a Mm -hmm. second. Exactly, And Um, I love that you said that about friendships. I should say that like, I don't idealize a romantic relationship. We can all have uh, friendships or sibling, family, familial relationships that are just as uh, important, if not more than a romantic relationship. I mean, I have girlfriends who I've known since I was 18 and they would be a call for some things over my husband. And that's, you know, that's a different sort of thing, but it's no less impactful. Um, and I think certainly, I mean, maybe I don't want to like glorify this, but maybe like starting with like sex in the city, like we started to, I don't like, I feel even embarrassed that I said that, but (laughs) (laughs) I love sex in the city. (laughs) You know, like that, that that they have, they are their loves of the loves of each other's lives. And I think that that can, you know, forget it. You don't have to be coupled off. Like there's no, the older I get, I'm like, you know what? Like, some people, we should just go retire yeah. and live in a. <laughs> Let's just go. <laughs> you know, that's funny. That's great too. Yeah. So, Devin, did you have anything else to add? No, I th- I think it's important to just be able to ask someone. Like, I understand you're going through something. What What do you want me to do? Like, can I? <clears throat> do you want me to hold your hand? Do you want me to pray for you? Do you want me to just be like sit here as you talk to me? Like, what do you want me to do in this situation? Like, how can I help you best? Um, I think that's necessary for any relationship, not just like we said, a romantic one. That's so insightful. And I will say, I feel like a lot of men don't have that. And I'm not trying to, a lot of men are fixers. Um, yeah. Like, and 
uh, again, I love him, married a long time, but he always is like, okay, great. This is what I'm going to do to help. And I'm like, right. yep. I don't, this I don't is need my independence. <laughs> I don't want your help. I am just trying to tell you something. I could don't right. need you to fix it. Right. Um, so I but think they're analytical really, thinkers that just like yeah. are going like, what can I do? What can I do? What can I do? That's literally exactly right. Mm-hmm. But I think that's so smart. I mean, I think that that's right. Just you just showing up is so much of it. Oh, um, yeah. So, yeah. Yeah. Awesome. Love the deep conversation. Yeah. That's great. <laughs> Um, Okay, so Frankie and Ezra maybe do not have the traditional ending, um, but first, why did you decide on this ending for them? And do you think either of them will make a motion for marriage in the future? So for me, this is sort of the happily ever after. Yeah. Um, I think Frankie is very honest with him about what she wants. Mm -hmm. And he realizes that whether they're married or not, what matters is her commitment to him. Yeah. Um, and again, I, as I've said repeatedly, I've been married a really long time, but I don't think that marriage is the end all be all. And I think I wanted to portray that for people that like, you can be content or committed in a variety of ways mm-hmm. um, oh, yeah. that don't have to be like, you don't have to have the diamond ring and 2.5 kids. And if you want that, that's great. <laughs> I have right. two kids. I have two dogs. I've been married right. for 20 years, but um, I just think I wanted to show, I didn't buy that Frankie after being so autonomous for so long was would going be to in such a rush to, to put on a ring. Yeah. Correct. <laughs> correct. And I think, I mean, I have a lot of friends who are, have never been married and they yeah. are living their best lives. And I think that's great. Like, I, mm-hmm. I, so I think I just wanted to represent that sort of that you can, there can be a happily ever after that doesn't necessarily align with what is everyone else's. Yeah, I'm making quote marks here with traditional uh, <laughs> yeah. for the listener. We see them. I, yeah, I, just, I think there are a lot of ways in modern society to be happy uh, mm-hmm. in a relationship. Sure. So um, that was maybe my way of expressing that. Cool. Yeah, I, I totally agree. I mean, given given Frankie's character, I think it just makes sense where they ended up. Um, yeah, and I think the real I, commitment came from them committing to each other. That, in any that's sense. exactly right. And you know what? They may get married. Like, I, you know, I don't know. She, they may. Uh, they'll definitely get a dog. And, um, and now that's commitment. Exactly. So As Steph knows. I think, oh. yeah, I think, you know, like I'm a feminist and I just didn't think that she needed that. So yeah. um, that's sort of where, where it came from. Cool. Sure. Awesome. So we're going to move into our typically last question, but we do have a final question after this one as well. Okay. But do we ship it? <laughs> <laughs> do I ship Frankie and other yeah. We'll go I after mean, you. I do. Absolutely. I could, I don't think I could have written the uh 300 and <laughs> whatever it was. <laughs> I mean, I do. I really I felt like they reached a real piece of a, a place of contentment and peace and so that's why I ship it. Mm-hmm. I ship them but after this event, <laughs> yeah. like I, I, in college, I would have had a hard time with the way that Accepting they treated that. each other. Yeah. Um, right. And I think on New Year's, like everything came out that needed to come out. And there yeah. was like a moment of reckoning and everyone was like, okay, yes. And I think after that, I definitely shipped them. Like mm-hmm. it took me like going through their past and their processes with they, them to yeah, get to Yeah, they needed point. to go through a lot of yes. growth and a lot of 
internal understanding of of themselves and of each other they had to recognize like why why do i have feelings for you yeah. why are these feelings coming about now are you good for me even right. though i have yeah. feelings for you the whole thing we've been talking about this whole time i think mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. yeah they go through a lot of processing that ultimately gets them to that commitment and i i do think that they have a lot of still they still have more to grow um but that's life right like so <laughs> yeah i'm just glad mimi's out of the picture man i could <laughs> not you wrote a really good character there because i was like girl mm -mm. <laughs> i like frankie a lot like i i like frankie and ezra a lot but i think i i had trouble with mimi which i think we were kind of supposed to <laughs> yeah i i've heard that a lot um you know she was I had to really write her a few different times. Yeah. Okay. Um, taking her from like awful to, to sort of docile to, I mean, she, you know, but she was a happy medium. I think she wasn't like yeah, villainous, she her purpose. but yeah. she definitely wasn't right for Ezra. Mm -hmm. Right. And she was there to represent that. Yes. Great. Yeah. Awesome. So, Oh, Devin, did you answer? You I said did. you ship yeah. it. Okay. Yeah. Okay. So your 10th book, Take Two, Birdie Maxwell, is set to release in late 2023 to your eager readers. Can you give our listeners a clue into what they might find in this read? Sure. It's another rom-com. Um, and it is about uh, America's sweetheart, like the most famous actress in, in the world, uh, who has a fall from grace, like a public fall from grace and returns to her childhood home Wow! and finds an anonymous love letter and sets out to find out who wrote it with her or who wrote it uh, in an attempt to rehabilitate her career, but maybe find love along the way. So oh, <laughs> exciting. We may have to have you back on after we I would love to. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, another dual to... nar narration um, okay. with a guy and a girl and, uh, it is like one more draft to go, but it's almost there. So um, I'm excited about it. Amazing. Now, similar to how you said that uh, the rewind is kind of like uh, the hangover. And uh, I forget what the other one was. When Harry she, met Sally. Yes. Yeah. Is there, are there two things that you, you have so in mind for I this one? I think I said it's like Notting Hill meets the proposal, but okay. I don't know if the proposal is exactly right. So I'm still working still on looking that. For that yeah. uh, we didn't have to pitch this one to publishers because I had a two book deal. So I haven't quite honed it, but it's definitely Notting Hill meets something because um, cool. it's like the famous actress and yeah. uh, sort of a a literary type. So awesome. Nice. Yeah. Great. Well, thank you so much. Uh, we loved this conversation. A big thank you me. to you, Allison, for joining us today. Um, it really was a blast and we love the rewind and we're so excited you agreed to be on the show. So thank oh, you so thank much. Thank you for having me. I ship it. So. Oh, yes, we <laughs> oh, ship you. it. I love it. And before we end, I just wanted to ask, was there anything upcoming or anything that you wanted to share with the listeners or we kind of went through most no, of it? <laughs> we went through it. So um, the Birdie Maxwell is the next thing. I, I do think so between me and you, which is my seventh book that we adapted for Carrie Washington, I think that mm -hmm. will be on Audible maybe this spring. I'm not sure. We've oh, cool. submitted all the episodes, but I don't, I'm not sure when they're going to be recorded, but I think it will probably be before the book, the next book comes out. So that will be exciting. That's wonderful. Awesome. Yeah. That's great. So, well, thank you guys for having me. This was awesome. So much fun. Thank you. Yeah. yeah. Thank you. And as always, if you're interested in joining us on the show, reach out over social or email us at we at gmail.com. We love to engage with you all. 
Yes, and also if you're listening and you're liking the show or you have comments, please rate and review. We would love to hear from you. Thanks for listening, shippers. And then, in what felt like a small miracle, given how far they'd come, he pressed play. <laughs> Bye, Bye, guys. guys.